Wow. Isn't that great? I love that. Now, we could go home right now, except we won't. But I love also hearing Amanda share her story. It's powerful. Amanda's going to be baptized today out at Lake Cunningham with some friends and a uh, small group, and that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, think about that. So big day uh, in her life. When I, when I think of compliments that any one of us could receive, I can't help but believe that generosity is right in the top five things that could ever be said about any one of us. And this has got to be true when you think of the impact that, you know, really an incredible impact that it can have in the lives of so many people when somebody's generous and they're giving to others. And, and then what, what it says about the person themselves that, that they look at life and they would say that, you know, one of the greatest privileges they have and gives them greatest joy in their life is to be able to, to be generous and to give to others. I say that uh, because the passage of Scripture, the verses we come to this morning, the verses we looked at last Sunday, and we're going to add to it today, where Paul talked about generosity, are verses that every single one of us, wherever we're at in our, in our spiritual journey, whether we've been a follower of Jesus Christ for years or the verdict's still out for us, we're, we're still asking questions about faith and about God, wherever we might be. Uh, what Paul writes in these verses, there's something for all of us. It has great benefit. I mean, we, we look at somebody who's generous, and isn't it true we, we admire that person, we respect them? And so when, when we can find a passage of Scripture like this that has really just wrapped together with so much wisdom for our lives, it's really something that is worth listening to. Again, whether we believe in Jesus Christ or we don't believe in Jesus Christ, there's something for, for every single one of us. A set of verses that I'm, I'm talking about are included in a letter that Paul wrote to um, a young man by the name of Timothy. And if you're familiar, in the book of Acts and describes the beginning of the church. We, one of the things we learn is that, is that Paul traveled. He, he went from one key city to another in the Roman Empire and planted churches in those cities. And, and then he spent time with those people. Then before he left, he would appoint leaders over, over those churches. And Timothy was one of those pastors that Paul appointed to, to lead a church. And so Paul wrote Timothy two letters. And in the first of those letters, in the sixth chapter, he, he became very specific in writing about money to, to uh, really t two groups of people, two groups of people that really were dealing with the same issue when it came uh, to this whole thing of money. And that was their, their struggle with the, the love of money, the, the obsession that they had to have more and more money. So as we looked at this last Sunday, we saw, we saw these two groups. The first group uh, in verses 6 through 10 who were not rich but were obsessed with becoming rich. And the second group of people in, in verses 17 through 19 who, who were rich but were obsessed with becoming richer. And so last Sunday we, we looked at those two groups and we... Uh, uh, we we saw that, that Paul in verses, in verses 6 through 10 spoke to the first group, and then, and then he spoke to the second group. We looked at both of those. And, and one of the things that you discover when, and we're going to be looking at the second group this morning, and one of the things you discover very quickly when you get into verses 17, 18, and 19 
is that Paul gave them two commands. And last Sunday we looked at the first command. We'll do a review of that today. And then today, and today then we're going we're gonna to look at the second command. So here, here's what Paul wrote in, in verse 17. He said, command those who are rich in this present world. And, you know, last Sunday we, we talked, uh, we, I think we discovered together that uh, most of us, if not all of us here today, are a whole lot richer than we might have thought that we are. And if we really compare ourselves to the most people in the world, most of us today are, are rich. And, I mean, if you earned, remember that statistic I gave you, if you earn forty-four to $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. And if you back that down, to, if you make money somewhere in the $30,000 range, you're in the top 10%. And so... Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm wrong in saying most, if not all of us, here in this room today are, are rich people. We really are. I, I think some, the, the struggle we have sometimes is we don't feel all that rich. You know, there's always somebody we can compare ourselves to or, you know, we might be dealing with some money issues in our life. And, and I, I think one of the things that, that is really good probably for all of us to do is if we're not able to go to a third world country, do a lot of reading and, and really become aware of the poverty that people deal with. I mean, it's just unbelievable poverty in other parts of the world. I remember, remember when I went to Ni Nigeria many years ago and, 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 and my first time of just really seeing true, true, true poverty and I was just overwhelmed. I just, it just absolutely blew me away. I remember just crying as we, as we drove through the streets and I saw that. And, and again in Zambia, those of you who've made trips there or to the DR, uh, uh, Haiti, you know, you, get, you, get, you realize once you do that how, how rich you really are. I think one other thing that is a good teller on it is if you've got a rich per person's problems, you know, like you're not getting good cell phone coverage or the internet's not fast enough or the air conditioner broke down. I mean, how many people in the world would love to have, even have an air conditioner, you know, and, or the, the cost of gas to put in your car? I mean, a lot of people just love to have a car, you know, or, and we talk about rising health care costs. There's many people in the world don't even have any health care. I mean, I could, you know, I could go on and on, like, you know, the Cox man saying he's not going to come to your house until, you know, somewhere between 12 and midnight, you know, those kind of problems that, that we, we all have to live with. So the truth is, by, uh, by national and certainly by international standards, all of us are rich. And so that being true, here's what Paul says to you and to me. He talks about, uh, as we saw last Sunday, he pointed to uh, two dangers of us being in love with money, loving money, being obsessed with having more and more money. One danger is the danger of being arrogant. The other one is what I, I, I've called misguided hope, all right? And so here's what he said again. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. And Paul, you know, this isn't always true, but Paul must have seen this happen enough that, that you know, and, and the Holy Spirit guiding him to, to include this in what he said. And what we're talking about here is that sometimes the tendency of somebody when they become rich to begin to think that that the richer you are, the smarter you are, and the better you are than everybody else. And you have this kind of a mindset, then you, you begin to think to yourself that you deserve the best all the time, which is, you know, a flat-out lie. And, you know, you, you, I'm sure we've 
all seen this happen, or you may have done this yourself, where somebody just, you can just tell they have a certain air about them where they, they think, man, it's all about me. You know, they walk into a store or a restaurant or whatever, and suddenly it's, they, they think they should be the center of, a, of attention. It, it doesn't always happen, but it happens enough for Paul to say something about this. And, and then there's the danger of what, what I'm calling a misguided hope, and so Paul goes on, and, and he, he says this, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Uh, a misguided hope is, is trusting, putting your hope in, in, in the money that you have in the bank that that can keep you safe, all right? And if, if this is where really you go from, from uh, being a prudent and a wise saver to be somebody where you go into selfish and fearful uh, hoarding, where you're just saving way more than you ever need to. And you do this because you, you, you have this thought in your mind that you can never have quite enough to, to keep you safe. You, you, you go through all these what-ifs in your mind, and so you keep thinking you need to have more and more. And all it is is really hoarding, and it's not going to do you any good because money in the bank doesn't keep you safe from harm. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. So Paul's answer uh, for us uh, in, in this whole thing is he goes on and he's, he said, uh, uh, but, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And that will be coming up here in a second. All right? So uh, the challenge that I, that I left you with last Sunday, all right, if you remember this, I said if, if, if it's true that you're putting you, you're planning on putting your hope in God at the end of your life. Why not put your hope in God in the middle of your life? And then we, remember we, we said this together. I, I will not put my hope in riches, but in God who richly provides. Right? Did you all say? So, so let's say that again this morning, all right? Let's say, I will not put my hope in riches, but in him, in God who richly provides. All right? So that's the first command. Paul said this, uh, um, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So that's the first command. Here's the second command. Verse 18. He said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now, this, this is what we don't want to miss about this, okay? Paul doesn't simply command us to do good, to be generous in an average kind of a way. And really, he, Paul would say, I expect that of all of us as Christians, to do at least that, to at least be that way, whatever our income level. Paul's talking specifically here to rich people, to you and me, and he's saying, you need to do better than good. You need to be better than average. You need to be above average. And it makes sense. If you think about it, it really does. It's, it, it's the logical and the right thing to do because the more you have, and remember, every single dollar you and I earn is by God's grace. Everything that we have is by God's grace. The more you and I have, the more, the more you're able, the more I'm able to do good for others. Okay? Now, what I'm about to share from the, from the words of Jesus, Jesus Christ himself taught this, if it grabs your heart, it has the potential to change every single facet of your life. It's, it's revolutionary, 
All right? It's a big deal. And this is true for all of us. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, faith in Jesus Christ or no faith in Jesus Christ, I can tell you, believe this and live it, and you'll be a better person and a happier person for it, okay? And I, I, I say that honestly, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ for this to be true, because truth is truth, all right? So here it is. You all ready? You all ready? Here it is. The issue is not how many dollars a person gives, that's not the issue. The issue is the percentage that's given. You see, God's not impressed with how many zeros get tacked at the end of a number. What moves the heart of God is percentage. So here's how I know. All right, here's how I know. One day, Jesus is with his disciples in the temple, outside the temple. And he's watching all the people as they're coming to the temple to put their money in the temple treasury. And back in that day, they, they didn't pass a bucket or a plate, you know, as part of their uh, worship service. What they did, and some people would say it's a great idea to do, you, they had a, a large box or a large jar at the entrance so that when people came in or when they went out, they would put their money into that box or into that jar. And so Jesus is watching this happen. And he gets the attention of his disciples, and he said, hey, guys, I want you to see this. this something, remember, Jesus knew everything that was about him. I mean, he knew that he was God, all right? So he knew what, so he said, I want you to see what's, what's going to happen here. And so he had them watch this, and then once they saw what he wanted them to see, then he made a statement that was really relatively short, but it was huge in its significance. So here's what we read in Mark's gospel in chapter 12. Read this. Uh, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. In the Greek text, Mark uses a word that describes the smallest amount of currency in Palestine in that day. This is how small it was. It was so small that it was worth one 128th of a denarius. And back then, a denarius is what most people would make for one day's labor. All right? So this woman, what this means that she is she gave... Uh, the equivalent of about six minutes of work time. That's all she had. That's all of it. They, she took these two very small copper coins, she put them in that treasury box, and Jesus made this very significant observation. Mark writes, calling the disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, and, and I love whenever he says that. Whenever he says, truly, I tell you, that he, what he's really saying is, listen up, guys. He said, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They, gave, all, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all that she had to live on. What percentage is everything? Huh? Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's what she did. 
And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, she was richer than all the others. And, and, and they could have come back and said, well, how's that possible? All she gave was pennies. To which Jesus would say, because zeros on the end of numbers don't move me. Percentages move me. In the kingdom of heaven, it's about percentage giving. It's the percentage that you give from what you have. It's not about the number of dollars that's given that moves the heart of God. So here's what Jesus is teaching, and you and I need to understand, okay? This is really important. Rich people. Now, who are rich people? You and me, okay? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're rich. All right? Okay, good. All right? So we, know, we're, we all know we're all rich, okay? So here's what he's saying. Rich people like you and me should give large sums and higher percentages. That's what Jesus taught and what Paul's saying. He's saying, I want you to be rich in good deeds, and I want you to be generous. Not just the average generous. Everybody is supposed to be generous, you know. But he said, I want you to be above average generous. I want you to give more at a, high, at a higher percentage. Now, here's the deal, everybody, okay? Here's the deal. Stay with me. Don't miss this. It's big. The only way this is ever going to happen is for you and I to have a plan. A plan where you make three decisions about where you spend your money. You, you decide you decide the percentage you're going to give of, of your income, uh, how much you're going to live on, how much you're going to save, and how much you're going to give away. The percentage. Okay? Each one of those. I'm totally convinced, totally convinced that this is the key to financial success in our lives and the key to all of us being generous. Now, let me, just, let me talk just very quickly about each one of these. First of all, the percentage of your income that you're going you're gonna to live on. So, obviously, you've got to do your homework. You've got to understand uh, the cost of living. You've got to be realistic about this. But you know what else? I'm going to just say this, all right? You and I, we've got to be gut-wrenching honest about the level of lifestyle that's reasonable and right for us to choose for ourselves. I mean, it, it is the easiest thing in the world to, to, you know, to be caught up in a greedy desire for more and more because it's so prevalent in this society in which we live. It's just all around us. It's all around us all the time. So choose a percentage, and I'd say go low. Right? I promise you, if you go low, the percentage that you're going to live on, you'll, you will never regret it. Never regret it. I would say if, if you did this and, and 10, 15 years from now, you come back and, and you have a conversation with me, you're not going to be mad at me and say, I'm just really ticked at you because you told us to go low on, on, on our percentage of what we live on. You know what? I'm convinced you'll do. You'll thank me because you know what you'll have? You'll have margin. You'll have margin and all the peace that comes with having margin in your life. And the other thing about it is it'll make it possible to, for you to be more generous, to give a greater percentage. And then decide what percentage of income you're going you're gonna to save. Again, we got to think about the future. we got to anticipate those kinds of things, you know, as, as that come down, come down the line. We, we've just got to do that. I, I, I value that so much in, in both of our parents, my parents and Becky's parents, that they did this. But you know what? There are two extremes to guard against. The obvious one, okay, is not to save at all. 
And the, and the other one is to save too much so where you're, you're really hoarding. You're not just saving, you're hoarding. You're saving way too much. We talked about that last week. Then, then, then the third thing is, is deciding the percentage of your income that you're going to give away. And there's two commitments that I believe that we need to make, okay? Number one is what we call priority. We, we've we've got to not only decide the percentage we're going to give away, but we've got to give it first. Before we spend anything else, it's got to be the first thing that we give. So we, so we don't, you know, what we give to God isn't an afterthought. We're not putting God second. We're putting God first, and we're putting the needs of other people first, okay? So it's got to be a priority. And then our giving should be progressive, all right, progressive. Now, I grew up in a family uh, where... Um, My parents gave, at the very least, 10% of everything that they earned. And they were committed to this. My dad was a farmer, and they did it in great years, and they did it in years that were not great at all. You know, great harvest, bad harvest. They always did it. They were, they were committed to this, and, 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 and I am so thankful for that. Um, it was true for both Becky and I. We both grew up in, uh, on farms, and neither one of them were big farms. They were small farms, and my dad never bought anything new, and neither did Becky's dad, that kind of thing. But, you know, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun about the whole thing, how faithful God is. Um, my, my mom died relatively young, and my dad remarried several years later. And this is kind of a family joke that we all, in, is that the woman he married uh, loved to swim, did laps. And so he bought a house. When they, when they bought a house, my farman dad in his upper 70s bought a house with an in-ground swimming pool. I was just like, dad, what, what, you know. But the cool thing about it is just as God was faithful. I mean, he trusted God. He was obedient to God. And, and, and man, he, le he finished his life and he had a lot of money in the bank. Okay. Becky's dad, same thing. Man, so careful with their finances all the years. Seven kids, you know, like, whoa. And, 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 but you know what? And her, her dad died uh, shortly after our son died, uh, two weeks later. And, 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 you know, Becky's mom is living great. I mean, he, he, she's got a great little condo she lives in. And, and they got money in the bank. The she, rest of her life she's taken care of. You know what? God was faithful. But here's the point, okay? Here's the point. For some of us, we've reached an income level. If we're, if we're really honest with ourselves, if we're really honest, okay, we can and should give more than 10% of our income. For us to remain at a level of 10% with what's left over to spend on ourselves is simply selfish and very, very, very far from being generous. And it's easy to do the math. 10% of, you can do this. 10% uh, of 30,000, 10% of 40,000, 10% of 70,000, 100,000, just keep doing it all, all the way. Stay at 10% at every income level, and what you have left to live on keeps on increasing, right? Am I right? I just want to be, you're, you're all with me, right? You get, get what I'm saying? So, you know what? It reaches a point for some people, and that can be true of some people even here, that living on 30% or 20% or even 10% gives them far more money to live on than most people have at 90% of their income, okay? 
So generosity is recognizing that as our income goes up, we can and should give a greater percentage of what we earn. We're honest with ourselves about this, and we progress to a higher percentage of giving. Uh, and it takes gut-wrenching honesty to do this. I mean, it's so easy, isn't it, to keep upping our lifestyle expectations as we, lose as, as we earn more money. You see, at some point in our life, we got to draw the line in the sand and say to ourselves, enough is enough. I don't, I'm not going to live beyond this. I don't have to live at a higher lifestyle, okay? All right. If you do this, okay, if you do this, the wonderful thing is it takes advantage of the opportunity of you being able to be rich toward God who has been so rich to you. God has been so rich to every one of us in this room. Without question, just compared to the rest of the world. And what it does is it makes it possible for us to be able to give more to help others spiritually and physically in all kinds of ways. And it's also a very, a very effective way for us to lose, you know, loosen our grip on stuff. I, I think one of the things that holds us back that we struggle with is how much money we have in our mind that we need to earn and to have to be happy. You know, uh, uh, um, Forbes magazine recently had an article on this, um, the research that's been done, and what they found is that once, once somebody reaches that point of $75,000 a year, and I know there's some of us in this room aren't, haven't reached that, okay, but a lot have, that you go beyond that number, you're not going to be any happier. And they just, they found that to be true. It's like, it, you, you, yeah, it kind of goes up as you go to that number, but they found over and over again in their research is once you get to that point, more money, that's not going to make you any, any happier. It's like you only need so much, really, to be happy. Now, I, I, I say that knowing that some make way less than that in this room, okay? But just as a point of reference for, for some of you who make that or make, make more than that, it's not like... If you have more, you're going to be happier because you're not. Okay? What they found is what really makes people happy is what people do with their money for others. Not a surprise, is it? And, and you know, talk with anybody who's been generous in their giving, and they'll tell you it brings you greater happiness than any number of dollars they've got in the bank. And I'm confident if you do this, you'll never regret it. I have, I have never met anybody in my whole life that they wish they could get back the money that they've given. Okay? Unless they gave it to a really, you know, like a scam or something like that, okay? So, so first of all, because of what happens in your own heart. Second, because of what it does for, for other people. And third, because of the reward that you're going to receive in heaven, which is how Paul wraps this whole thing up. He dives deep into an idea that's, that's fueled the generosity of Christians since the church began. It's that there's more to life than this life, that there's something beyond this life. And, and let me just, before I read this verse, let me just say this. If you're not a Christian yet, this might just seem like way out to you, you know, way out there somewhere. Just hang with me, okay? This is what we believe as followers of Christ. L listen to this. Uh, verse 19, Paul writes, In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that the coming age, that's eternity, heaven, so that they may take hold of the life 
that is truly life. Jesus talked about this all the time. Jesus talked about that God entrusts each one of us with wealth on this earth. And what we do with what God entrusts us is, is really a test. And what we do with that will determine how much God will trust us with in eternity. So you see, the stakes are very high. This is really quite a huge deal. It's really quite a big, big deal for us to be obedient to God with our money and to be, to be men and women of generosity because not only does it affect our life on this earth and not only does it affect the lives of so many other people, but it will affect our life for all of eternity. Forever it will affect our life because of what God will entrust us with in eternity by how much we've been faithful to him right now. That's big, wouldn't you say? So I'll just say what I said last Sunday. I'll say it again. I love this passage. I think it's remarkable. I think it's quite impressive. I think it's just wrapped with a whole lot of wisdom. And, and I mean, we, it's, it, we do this, and it, it's a total win for everybody. You become a better person for being generous. Invest yourself in the, in the lives of others, and you become a wiser and a more caring person, and it gives you a profound and a lasting joy. And you know what? It even impacts your own financial success. It's a fact, everybody. When you give first, you, 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 you save better, you, you spend more wisely, and your motivation to live in, in a more responsible way, it, it, it goes up in every area of your finances, Okay? It has a huge potential for good in the lives of so many people. I mean, just think of it. I mean, we all know this is true. And can you imagine what would happen in our communities and in our country if every Christian got this right? I mean, I just dream about this someday. If, if every Christian would just believe God and trust God, you know, with, with everything that God gives to us by his grace, I just, I just dream of what the church could do what we could do as Christians. And there's another thing I know will happen. There's another one. The reputation of Christianity, the reputation of the church would go up with other people around us. I mean, we would be known for our extraordinary love that's expressed through our generosity. I think it's, that's a huge win all the way, all the way. So for those of you who are generous here and elsewhere, I want you to know that your giving is not in vain. <laughs> it's not in vain at all. It, it has incredible potential to change a person's life, to change the life of a family, to change a community, to change a nation, and to make an impact on the whole world. It, it, has, it has extraordinary potential for good in the lives of people. So you'll never regret it. It's a total win. It really is. And what we're about to hear, what we're about to hear, everybody, is a great example of this. It's a great example of what your generosity has made possible and is still making possible today. So let's enjoy. Let's enjoy this together, these next few minutes, all right? <laughs> 